Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am the madman, and if you're watching me right now, you can see I'm in the engineer's chair. I am running my show and talking all on it at the same time. I'm just that intelligent and talented. Yeah, so, hey, do you remember McGruff the Crime Dog? Um, he was uh, big in the 80s. Uh, he was, uh, back in the 80s, he was a cartoon who told you that, uh, told you, you know, not to, to snitch on your, on, on your parents. <laughs> you know, don't take drugs. You know, don't get in cars with strangers. Those kind of things. You remember him, right? I know they kept that little uh, shtick going throughout the 90s with, uh, what was his name? Scruff. You know, Scruff, his nephew, McGruff's nephew, Scruff, McGruff. Get it? Anyway, so you, even if you're younger than me, you probably remember him. So here's the thing. How come we do not see him telling people to report crime anymore? How come we don't see that anymore? Is it because of the modern, modern axiom of snitches get stitches? I mean, that's not a good axiom. It's not a good axiom. It's basically a threat by the criminals to people in, in America who are silly enough to not want crime in their town. But here we are with riots in the streets, and I'm just like, where are you, McGruff? Where are you? Maybe he's retired now. You know, how many, how many years does a, uh, a police dog have to put in to draw pension? Like four years, five years? And maybe, uh, maybe a little scruff, he went off to college and uh, got caught up in this SJW movement. Now he's part of uh, Antifa or something like that. <laughs> and so maybe you could do a commercial like that where um, Scruff McGruff is uh, uh, a part of the riots in Portland or something like that. And he starts flashing back to these old, uh, old, um, the old wisdom of McGruff. The old wisdom of McGruff while he's rioting. Rioters are more angry, more angry than dieters, Scruff. <laughs> but knowing how um, SJWR modern media is these days, they would probably nerf McGruff down to uh, public service announcements about picking up your dog's shit. Remember, your dog's waste is your responsibility. Pick it up because no human has ever encountered dog shit and survived. Right, Woodsy? And then Woodsy the Owl will come out and say, Give a hoot, don't pollute. You know, you remember those things. Give a hoot, don't pollute. Woodsy the Owl. He always looked like he was coming back from Oktoberfest, you know. But then again, you know, McGruff, he looked like a bipedal, you know, dog flasher. Take a bite out of this. Ooh, it's uncircumcised. No, I'm a dog, you know. Anyway, so that's what happens when I start thinking about McGruff. The crime dog. All right, so I'm, I'm reading my notes off my phone here. It's uh, just too much, too much equipment here. Too much equipment here to keep an eye on. So I'm reading my notes off my phone. Hope that's all right. Um, so Umbrella Academy Season 2 is out. I watched it all. You know, granted, I was playing World of Warcraft during it, but, you know, I watched it all. Anyway, so um, they really know how to integrate music into a narrative and help tell a story with a bit of music video over there at the people at the Umbrella Academy. It's a well shot. It's it's got good cinematography, and um, trying to think of more positive things to say. Um, yeah, Robert Sheehan. Um, he has really grown as an actor. Um, I mean, it was obvious he had talent when when we saw him on The Misfits, and um, now in in season two of Umbrella Academy. I mean, he he's he's really growing as an actor. You can really 
you can really see it. And I think he probably has the potential to be a good, a really great actor. So, you know, keep an eye on him, Robert Sheehan. Um, uh, meanwhile, Ellen Page plays a pothead lesbian. So that's, a, that's quite an acting feat for her. Roll your eyes. Oh, that's a direction I wrote to myself anyway. Anyway, um, uh, the kid who plays five is another standout actor. I mean, I, I don't know how hard it is to act old when you're a kid, but um, because uh, it's been a while since I've been a kid, and I don't even think I, there's, I tried to pretend to be old, but uh, anyway, I don't know. So, uh, but he does get a lot of screen time because he's kind of the de facto leader of the of the group of the team, and so I don't I don't think they give a role to somebody. Uh, a role like that to somebody who they didn't think could handle it. And I mean, he's, I think he's doing a really good job. Aiden Gallagher, good, pretty good young actor. Um, I don't like the way they bully Diego in the show. And I really can't wait for the day that um, he kills all of them. Hopefully that'll be sometime in season three. Am I the only one that really wants that to happen? Wants Diego to kill all of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, Luther. Luther is an annoying character. See, see, no one likes the smart, smart Hulk. All right. I like comic books too. And I like superhero comic books in particular, but when they made the Hulk smart, I mean, it was dumb. People really didn't like it. You know, it it was horrible. It's like, they liked the mindless rage. You know, nobody likes a smart Hulk and nobody likes a, a shy and pensive gorilla man. All right. I really don't. I don't like Luther. Uh, I can't wait for him to die. Um, Allison's just the worst person ever. That's that's all there is to it. Um, yeah, um, here's the thing is that I love how season two takes place in the early sixties. And so that way they were able to integrate like really good sixties tunes, uh, those early sixties tunes and, uh, fifties tunes in some, some regards that era of music thing. And they incorporated that with more modern music as well in terms of like helping tell the story and set the tone, and, uh, the ambience of certain scenes. I mean, all that stuff is really well done. However, I do not like interpersonal drama when it comes to my superhero shows. Um, I think they only put that in there just, just to keep women interested in the show. Also, they felt the need to shove in some um, JFK conspiracy theories, um, some civil rights movement drama, and to pillow talk between anachronistic Ellen Page and a bisexual farm girl. So, um, Umbrella Academy Season 2. Eight of 13 stars. I want more superhero action, not failed lesbian relationships. And if you're going to do that, at least show the lesbian sex. You're Netflix for fuck's sake. So that was like kind of mediocre, mediocre garbage. Mediocre garbage. What did I give it? Did I tell you the stars? Yeah. Eight of 13 stars. Eight of 13 stars. Because I, I, know, I know you come to me for all of your entertainment needs. It's like if... If Madman pans something, it's probably horrible. But if he says it's good, you should probably check it out, like these next two films I'm going to talk about. Uh, so I was able to catch some good movies in my entertainment time over the last, I don't know, I, I guess I caught these movies over the last three, four weeks, all this, two or three weeks maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I caught, I caught one good flick. It's a 2015 Kevin Bacon flick called Cop Car. And if you haven't seen this, you really, you really should. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about the plot line because it, it might ruin it for you because it's, it's that good. And so uh, it's basically about these two kids who uh, run away from home and uh, they run across this cop car in the middle of nowhere with keys in it and everything. And so they decide to steal it and all sorts of intensity ensues. 
And because, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon, who plays a cop, um, he's, you know, not not the best cop in the world, let's say. And so uh, there's this one scene in there, which is just ugh, it's just so cringe. And for some reason, I like I like the kind of cringe, that kind of cringe in a movie, especially when it's like uh, two kids stealing a cop car, this kind of premise. And so and then there's a scene where one kid has a bulletproof vest on and the other one's like trying to shoot him with the, with the rifle or a shotgun or something like that. And thankfully, they can't figure out how to use <laughs> how to take these things off safe. And, you know, but it was an intense scene. And they're just like looking down the barrel and stuff. It's if you know anything about weapons, it's oh, it's nightmarish. It's it's like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Oh, something bad's going to happen. See, I already ru- ruined one scene for you just by talking about that one. I already ruined one. Sorry. Spoiler alert. So, um, yeah, Kevin Bacon flick cop car. It's really good. I loved it. It's realistic. It's gritty. It's, uh, it's a, it's a really good, really good movie. I gave it 11 of 13 stars. Really good. And it, it, it seemed, uh, pretty cheap to produce. I mean, it was just a couple of, of real, I guess, on location shoots, a couple of sets, you know? Not a whole lot of actors, and you had, you had money for like a couple of uh, higher paid actors. You had Kevin Bacon and this other lady. I forget. She's in a bunch of stuff. She was in there for a brief, brief bit. I forget her name. She's been in a bunch of stuff. She plays the chubby lady, lady who lives next door. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't place her name. Anyway, but that's a good movie. 11 to 13 stars. Cop, cop car. 2015 Kevin Bacon flick. Let's talk about a Bruce Willis flick. Um, acts of violence. Now this came out 2018. There's some other people in there besides Bruce Willis, some other faces you'll recognize. Um, yeah. Uh, it's acts of violence is an intense, fi- it's intense firefight action all the way through it. So if, if you can't handle that, I understand. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, basically the plot is, it's like a human trafficking ring, right? Uh, a human trafficking ring. Uh, kidnaps the wrong girl because she's engaged to this combat vet who has two brothers who are also combat vets. And so um, they they go to the cops trying to get the cops to help them do something about um, their this, this guy's kidnapped fiance. And so, uh, but, you know, they have all these kidnappings they're worried about. You know, this this ring's been at it for a while. And uh, there's tons of, of girls who are missing. And oh, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> and so... Um, and and so these three combat vets don't don't think the cops are going to be doing anything much about this, and they um, they decide to do something about it and so go after their their friend themselves, or this girl themselves. I mean, it's awesome. It's it's violent. It's awesome, uh, but it's pretty damn good. Um, there's a couple of things I want to mention about this movie that bothered me. So there's a scene where Bruce Willis is uh, is walking into an indoor gun range. And uh, he walks right in without hearing protection. And as he's walking into the gun range, there's, there's rounds going off. All right, pop, 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 you know. And so I'm like, what, what the hell? And the whole time I'm screaming, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on in the scene, what they're talking about. But I do pause long enough to hear somebody say, like, because uh, like nobody's wearing ear protection on this gun range. All right, you see a couple of um, uh, uh, hearing protections just laying, laying in the, on the table in the lanes, but nobody's wearing them. And so there's even a point in the conversation where it says, I think the guy, that guy upstairs is deaf. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I screamed at the, I screamed at the, what was I watching on my phone? I screamed at my phone. It's like, I think you're all deaf. If this is how you handle things down at the range. Oh boy. I lost my place. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think you're all deaf. If you're down there at the range. That was one scene that bothered me about uh, acts of violence. 
Um, yeah, they're all deaf. Can't be doing that. Uh, and so, um, also they followed the kidnapped girl. They followed the kidnapped girl to show that she was this rich girl, uh, you know, hot girl, you know, obviously. And so, um, they follow her experience in the film and that, and to show that she's such a super bad bitch, super gung ho girl power. Uh, she tries to escape multiple times during the film and, you know, good for her. Um, but every single other woman in that is part of this operation, that's part of this, this, um, human trafficking ring is, is super cowed. And like they have their heads down, averting their eyes, you know, they're super cowed and, and broken, you know? (laughs) And so that's weird, but she escapes once and they bring her back and they do nothing more additional in addition to uh, tying her up like they did the first time. Now, I don't want to root for modern slavers, but damn, if, if you know this girl is a little escape artist, wouldn't you t- take a little bit more time to tie her up right the second time? She escapes twice, easily. It's absurd. Anyway, Acts of Violence, Bruce Willis flick, came out 2018, fairly new. Excellent. 10 of 13 stars. It's intense, gritty, vigilante action. And it's realistic. It's realistic. It's really good. I highly recommend that movie. Those two movies, actually, Cop Car as well. Ooh, I need to wet the whistle. Forgive me. Mmm. Water today. Keep it hydrated. Been damn hot, you know. Uh, So, I was thinking about people who study the mating habits of other mammals. You know, like dolphins and primates. Uh. Do they ever get turned on by their research, I wonder? What if they go home at night and they fuck their wife or husband and they're thinking about the dolphins? Even if it's not a kink sort of thing and you and the study of primate sexual behavior is just your job, still, you have to think about it. It has to cross your mind. Sometimes I think of work shit when I'm having sex. So wouldn't your mind ever flash over, ever so briefly over to the monkeys going, <laughs> Just sometimes during sex, don't you think that would happen? Let me ask you something about your dogs watching you have sex. I understand there's some people out there that do that let their dogs watch them have sex. And I don't think I can. I don't do that. I've never done that. That's crazy to me. So do you think they ever get horny while watching you have sex? Do you suppose they wonder? Do you suppose they wonder why you never fuck them? Do they get jealous? (laughs) Does that hurt their feelings? Because do you think dogs know you're not supposed to have interspecies sex? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. You could barely teach them to poop outside. Anyway, how does, and how does anyone even get into this field of study, of studying uh, the sexual behaviors of other, other mammals? How do you even get into that? Do you, uh, were you like eight years old at home and you're look, you saw two dogs fucking on your front lawn and you're like, this is what I want to do with my life? I mean, imagine you're part of this um, this research team, <laughs> and you're all sitting around watching these two primates go at it, you know. And there's one guy in there that's sweating and breathing hard, and he's muttering things to himself like, "That's right, flipper over bubbles," you know. Is there a psychological evaluation that's done on people who study this kind of thing? I think there should be. I should hope. I should hope there is some sort of psychological evaluation. Because I'm just some crazy guy thinking about people who do this work, (laughs) who want to get into it, who want to get into this field. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a bunch of failed veterinarians that end up in this field. Anyway, so it's 
<laughs> they wanted to be veterinarians. They ended up studying the behavior, sexual behavior of dolphins. <laughs> I mean, to top all this off, I have to say, I really don't see the need for humans to observe the mating habits of other mammals. In fact, I think these sort of studies are just used to subsidize voyeurs of bestiality without being labeled as perverts. Just my humble opinion, I might be wrong. I'm moving through the show quick today. I hope you don't mind. But, you know, it's my show. I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. <laughs> anyway, we'll do a quick mailbag before we get into the news worth knowing. So, uh, just a reminder that um, you can email me at madmanfxbgpr.com if you want me to answer your questions or comments. So, and I will, I will assume you want to stay anonymous unless you state otherwise. So ju just, just two uh, quick ones today from the mailbag. Um, so what other news commentators do you watch, Madman? Um, I mentioned Ben Shapiro quite frequently, as you know. Um, I listen to his podcast daily. Sometimes I listen to Andrew Clavin's podcast. That's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Clavin. Yeah, Andrew Clavin's podcast. But Daily Wire can be um, uh, kind of repetitive because I think they have a meeting every morning that, the that determines their editorial stance on, um, uh, you know, most, most major stories. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. So I, if, I think if you watch one Daily Wire show, that's, that's good enough. And so I watch, I watch Shapiro, I watch, but sometimes I'll watch Clavin or Matt Walsh or uh, Michael Knowles. Sometimes, but mostly it's Ben Shapiro. Um, now Tim Poole is another one that I watch daily. Um, I watch him. I pretty much get my news from Tim Poole because he'll, like individual stories will pop up in my feed. And, you know, you click the bell and everything, you get every single uh, notification. And each, pretty much each um, uh, uh, bit he does or clip he does is like one one or two sto stories that are uh, somewhat related, and so I, I and if I want to look further into an issue, I'll go in like research the the story on my own, uh, check different sources. I just use Tim, Tim Pool to give me his overview, and if I need to you know get out of his bias, I can go go somewhere else. Um, you know, Tim's the kind of guy who collects red pills and never takes them. Um, I love louder with Crowder. Uh, I missed him this past month. Uh, they take, usually take July and December, late December off and, uh, you know, that's fine. You know, everyone, everyone deserves a vacay. Plus he's been having some personal issues and, you know, I've been praying for him and, you know, pull through. Love you, buddy. Uh, because I prefer, I prefer, um, humor with my commentary. You know, I guess I'm just part of that generation that grew up with, um, with, uh, weekend update with Norm MacDonald and, uh, the daily show with Jon Stewart. I like, I like humor. Uh, I, I, I feel like um, the reason why the humor attached to news commentary was invented was because it's like sometimes the news is harsh. It's hard to, it's painful. And sometimes you got to you know, laugh at it so you can, it's easier to swallow. You know what I mean? And so I do prefer humor with my commentary. That's do, that's, that is why I like um, people like uh, Stephen Crowder. And Gavin McInnes, I think Gavin McInnes is a real funny guy. Uh, he's uh, he's rough around the edges. He's kind of a dick, and so that's exactly the kind of person I want to be. So I'll give you some honorable mentions as well. Um, I, I like the conservative twins. I like the amazing Lucas, uh, Tyler Zed from Zeducation. Uh, liberal hive hive mind is okay, uh, not the best, but that should be enough for you to you know drive your clicks away from my content. You're you're fucking welcome. 
All right, let's go to this next email. Um, yo, when are you going to get those teeth fixed? Um, once I get to that, once I get a thousand patrons, dickwad, if you're so fucking concerned, go tell all your friends to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. If you care so fucking much, asshole. Patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. I mean, thanks for listening and, and watching, obviously. Patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. You get access to all of our video content. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and if you want to email me, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. And I will answer your emails on the air. And I'll keep you anonymous if you want to be. Otherwise, I will continue talking to myself. So it's only 621, but, you know, it's my show. I do what I want. Let's do the news worth knowing. I'm trying to get the (laughs) thing to go. How do you do that? You didn't show me how to do it. I was trying to get the stinger going, but didn't seem to work you know i gotta pull it up anyway i'm I'm not gonna dick around with this now let's get into the news worth knowing so here's something that's really important um it came out like three days ago the uh this uh new george floyd footage that got leaked so the article i'm reading is because it's been out for a while you know a lot of commentary has been done about it so the, the article i'm reading is entitled tucker reacts to leaked george floyd footage quote why haven't we seen the rest of this video until right now Uh, The American people should have been allowed to see police body camera footage of the moments before Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin pinned George Floyd's neck under his knee much sooner than this week, Tucker Carlson argued on Tuesday. Footage from the cameras of former rookie officers Thomas Lane and J. Alexander Kung, 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 forgive me, was obtained by the Daily Mail and published on Monday. So it's the Daily Mail that leaked this. Um, the video shows about 18 minutes of uh, Kung's, Kwang's, uh, Asian names. I fumble them all the time. Sorry, sir. You have 18 minutes from his body camera and 10 minutes from Lane's. Um, the footage shows four Minneapolis police officers struggling with Floyd this past May 25th before one of them, Chauvin, uh, ultimately pins Floyd on the ground to the scene uh, in a scene that sparked protests worldwide. Quote, the catechism has been written and it's in stone. George Floyd is a martyr, period. The Tucker Carlson Tonight host said. Continue to say, but in America, that's not good enough. For <clears throat> It's not a real answer. In free society, c- citizens have the right to know why things are changing so quickly. What exactly is the basis of the cult- this cultural revolution that we're all living through, Carlson asked. Once again, it may be some time before we can answer those questions with certainty. Maybe we'll never will. We'll pr- uh, probably probably de- probably debate them for decades but more facts are always the first step toward s- establishing what the truth is floyd's death has been used to justify a nationwide con- convulsion of violence destruction looting and in some cases killing he went on to say in addition to unprecedented levels of political upheaval the wholesale re- uh, reordering of, reordering of our most basic institutions floyd's death changed everything it was a pivot point in american history no matter what your side what side you're on it's very clear at this point so with all that in mind, it's striking how little we know about the mo- know months later about what how exactly George Floyd died. Uh, he then played clips of the body camera footage um, prior to his publication by the Daily Mail. The video was only available for viewing at the Hennepin County Courthouse by appointment only. Uh, quote, you can decide for yourself what you think of the video, and we hope you will. That's the whole point of having a news network, to bring you the facts and allow you to decide what they amount to. 
We hope that this takes place in this case, Carlson said. So the question is, why haven't we seen the rest of this video until right now? This video seems relevant, particularly considering all that happened next. <clears throat> now, I don't know if you've seen this new, uh, this new body cam footage. There's, there's Tucker. <laughs> Oops. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen this uh, body cam footage, but you should go and check it out. It's, um, I mean, it's leaked. It's out now, so you should definitely go see it. I, I, I watched it, and it kind of shows that George Floyd was kind of being a dick. All right, um, they come up on him in the car. He was acting like real nervous and moving around a lot, and so, and. He kept the, the cop said, show me your hands. He did. He just kept fumbling around inside the car, inside the vehicle. And so the cop pulled his pistol and they had it pointed at him. Absolutely. Because he couldn't see his hands. And then when George Floyd put his hands on the steering wheel, the cop holstered his weapon. All right. And the whole time he's screaming and he's like acting erratic and so forth. Uh, he had two other people with him who complied, got out of the car and stood up next to the wall. And George Floyd is just acting acted crazy, acted like a fool, like somebody who's on fentanyl or something. And um, he's got no shirt on and so forth. And and uh, he's acting erratically. And so they say they're going to put him under arrest. And, you know, he's fighting them as they're trying to cuff him. Um, they say they're going to put him in the car. And he starts saying he can't breathe. And this was long before he was on the ground. He starts saying he can't breathe and say, we'll put you in there with the window on, with the window open. And uh, they're finally, they're trying to put him in the car. I don't know why they, once they had him in, in the vehicle, why they just shut the door and let him cry it out in there. I don't know why he, they didn't do that. But uh, I, I think it's because he requested, he said he didn't want to be in the car. He wanted to be on the ground. And so that's when they put him on the ground. Now, I'm not saying that uh, this guy should be dead. The guy, was, the guy was on his neck. That's not the way to do things. Even if he was, you know, fighting you and he, he was kind of resisting and being a dick but there's no need to pin him on by the neck i'm saying that george floyd should be in prison not in the ground all right and so and that that body camera footage coming out months later after people just assumed that this was some sort of racist execution and it's not the case i mean he was acting he was acting crazy he was acting uh he was high on, high on drugs you know working himself up into a tizzy and it you know it just took its toll on him that's what i think that's what I think. I don't necessarily think that there was a, a, a racist intent. Maybe, maybe with the with Chauvin with putting the knee on the leg. I absolutely think that manslaughter should be in the in the works for him. But these other cops, I don't know if they, you know, if they even need to be charged. And I mean, this this can change the whole narrative. You know, people have been like, you know, Portland's been burning. You know, Seattle's been burning. Minneapolis has been burning. You know. It's been bad out there all over this one incident. And now we got this body camera footage and it kind of shows George Floyd in a completely different light. I'm not saying that he should have ended up dead, but he was kind of being a dick. And the other people that were with him complied, complied with the police officers and they're alive today. So I think this is a very important news story. And I think that everyone should be talking more about it because this, this changes the entire narrative. If you're, if you're a, a good hearted person who believes in law and order and wants to you know wants justice to prevail it's like you can understand a bunch of uh, peaceful protesters if there was really some sort of race, race racial incident but i don't think this is racial at all i think this is just a criminal knowing he was caught and acting the fool you know people want to believe that you know justice isn't acted in the streets 
And I mean, even going back as far as these um, these people claiming that they were um, were they travelers that they're not part of the U.S. Constitution, the part of what are they called? What were they called? The road pirates or something like that? I'm not driving. I'm not driving this vehicle. I'm traveling, and you have no right. It's like I want to speak to your I want to speak to your superior. You have to bring me your superior. And so, <laughs> it goes back to that where people think that justice is enacted in the streets, and it's not enacted in the streets. You know, it's enacted in courtrooms, all right, in courthouses. And so when you get a guy like um, like George Floyd who's caught and he knows he's got drug in his, drugs in his system, he doesn't want to go and face that court date because he knows he's going to lose in court because they're going to draw his blood. They're going to find out that he was intoxicated. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and so he knows he's going to lose that case. So that's why they fight at the moment of arrest, all right? It's just like that guy, um, what's his name, uh, Rayshard Brooks. Down in Atlanta, you know, as soon as soon as he re- realized he was going to go to jail and therefore court and therefore get a conviction because he knows he's guilty. All right. That's when he decided to fight those cops and he ended up dying. He should have just had your day in court, resign yourself to the fact, hey, you caught me. I shouldn't have been doing this. But no, he died because he felt like he had to fight his way out of it. And I don't know why he felt like he had to fight his way out of it. And somehow it's, it's a it's a racial incident. Get out of town. He fought those cops, stole a weapon. All right. Anyway, so I think this is a very important story about this new, new, uh, new footage of George Floyd's arrest. It's, um, I don't know. It seems like a lot of, a lot of property has been damaged. A lot of people have been misled, you know, about the narrative of what actually happened on that May 25th day. All right. The media, media caught a clip, and it was just one clip, and they probably didn't search for anything else because they had what they wanted. They had the, the clip of Derek Chauvin kneeling on that dude for almost nine minutes. And that was the only clip they wanted. All right? So I don't know what the question here, I don't know what C- Tucker is asking. I don't really watch him religiously. I think he's a little, um, I don't know, too conservative for me. <laughs> and so... uh. So I don't know how quickly like all of that information should be out in the public. I think that's the question he's asking. It's like once once there's an arrest or some incident like that, is should should the body cam footage immediately be released to the public? I mean, because there's all sorts of legal implications in terms of like people who are in it and so forth. It's like, so I don't how immediately you can release the body cam footage. So because I'm sure there's legal legal issues. I mean, with an ongoing case. I mean, that's why, I mean, it, it's an ongoing case. It's currently, you know, being tried. And so that's, I don't know. It's a bunch of tough questions. <laughs> it just raises more and more tough questions. You know, it's a shame. It really is. Anyway. So let's go to this next story. Um, so the Beirut explosion, let's talk about this a little bit. This Beirut explosion is linked to uh, Russian sh- Russian ship storing ammonium nitrate left in port has been called a floating bomb. Investigators probing the devastating blast in Beirut that killed at least 135 people and injured 5,000 more are pointing to a Russian ship docked in the city's port for nearly seven years without appropriate security precautions that officials warned was a floating bomb. The Russian vessel named MV Rosas was carrying agricultural fertilizer with uh, 2,750 metric tons of ammonium nitrate en route to Mozambique and they hit a financial snag and docked in the Beirut port in 2013 
according to legal documents and Lebanese officials, the Washington Post reported. Oh, Lord Almighty. Lebanon's director of customs, Badri Dahir, I think, uh, re- repeatedly sent letters to the judiciary over the years and warned them that the, car- uh, that the cargo was equivalent to a floating bomb, but the warnings went unheeded. <laughs> Golly. Uh, Dahir repeatedly asked officials to remove the ammonium nitrate from the port because it posed significant danger of exploding. He said during an interview with LBC TV late Wednesday, Dahir said uh, flagging the risks to authorities was extra work for him as, and his predecessors outside of, of his responsibility to prevent smuggling and collecting duties. He says it was the port authority's job to monitor the material and store it appropriately. Uh, the Russian sh- uh, ship was held at the port after reporting technical problems and inspectors barred it from sailing onwards. Uh, quote, owing to the risks associated with retaining the ammonium nitrate on board the vessel, the port authorities discharged the cargo onto the port's warehouses. Lawyers acting on behalf of the creditors wrote in 2015, according to the Post. The vessel and cargo remain today in port awaiting auctioning and or proper disposal. The lawyers said the ship was abandoned by its owners after running out of supplies and the crew had to eventually be reparate, uh, repatriated back to Russia because of immigration restrictions in a, on a prolonged stay in Beirut. Jeez Louise. The blast Tuesday, which appeared to have been caused by an accidental fire that ignited uh, a warehouse that was full of ammonium nitrate, rippled across the Lebanese capital, causing widespread destruction. Losses from the blast are estimated to be between 10 and 15 billion. Beirut Governor... Marwan Abad told Saudi-owned TV station Al-Hadath on Wednesday, adding that nearly 30,000 people are now home, homeless. Wow. Lebanon's, Lebanon President uh, Michel Aoun, forgive me, vowed before a cabinet meeting on Wednesday that the investigation uh, would be transparent and that those responsible will be punished. The cabinet ordered an unspec- unspecified number of Beirut port officials put under house arrest pending an investigation into how ammonium nitrate came to be stored at the port for years. The government also declared a two-week state of emergency, effectively giving the military uh, full powers during this time. Investigators are also mulling over uh, over another theory, that the fire began when welders were trying to repair a broken gate and a hole at the wall of Hangar 12, where the explosive material was stored. Local news reports say the repair workers ordered by security forces who investigated the facility and were concerned about theft. Holy cow. There's a lot going on. So um, here, my take on it was when I first heard about this bomb, with this explosion, I should say. When I first heard about this explosion was that, uh, hey, you know, it's Beirut. There's probably, there's probably tons of bombs just laying around. But uh, <laughs> they go off. Hey, they go off every now and then. This doesn't happen a lot in Beirut. What a dick thing for me to say. Anyway, so here's wow. So here's the thing about this uh, this ammonium nitrate uh, <laughs> going on. They're all sitting there at the port. This uh, this the ship ran out of ran out of supplies, ran out of funding, and it just ended up being parked there and had t- you know t- you know twenty seven hundred tons of of ammonium nitrate just sitting there in the docks, and you know. Here's the thing about like uh, countries like Lebanon, you know, and they're, they're not like the U.S. where, you know, the bureaucracy is really efficient. I mean, 
people actually do their jobs. I mean, you could say all you want about the government, but, but people really do their jobs. And when it comes to like uh, port authorities and so forth, uh, you know, they really they do their jobs. You know, because they don't want stuff blowing up in port. And you know, when uh, like a, a bureaucracy, you know, becomes a problem. And so it's like, we got this thing to deal with. And it's like, oh, it's not that important to deal with right now. Next, and, you know, all that stuff gets overlooked for a long, long time. You know? I'm just saying, you know, they don't have the regulations that the United States has when it comes to, like, uh, docking and port authority and so forth. You know, you, I mean, if you've been to other countries, you know how it is. It's like the level of professionalism and security. And uh, <laughs> it just, it's really different other, in other places of the world than in the United States. I mean, it's a shame that all these people lost their lives. It's a shame about that property damage. But I mean, hey, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, a problem. You know, that that much that much ammonium nitrate sitting in one one spot. You know, it's got to be put to use. You can't just have that stuff laying around. I mean, uh, you know, grain silos have been blown up for for a long, long time in human history. You know, you got to be really careful about storing stuff like that floating bomb that's just funny you know i think about those those sailors on that on that cargo ship you know they it's like well we're stuck in beirut you know and so they were sitting around beirut for a couple years and finally beirut said uh lebanon said you know you know you got to be repatriated we're sending you back it's like but our ship our stuff (laughs) we gotta leave it here can't sail it back you don't have supplies or anything like that no funding (laughs) that's gotta suck oh man should have joined the navy buddy all right, let's go on to this next story. Uh, economics professor says right state won't let him open class critical of Marxism to all students. Okay. And economics professor at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, says the school has repeatedly denied his request to teach an elective class critical of Marxism to the general stud- student body. Quote, clearly it's all just censorship. Wright State economics professor Evan Osborne told Fox News, I proposed several electives. All have been approved, not going against the sacred beliefs of the radical wing of our department. Um, Only honor students will be allowed to take Osborne's class Marxism, a history of theory and practice, despite his request that it will be opened to any student. The college fix first reported. Quote, the honors class simply limits who can take it, Osborne said. The biggest damage is being done to students in business in, coll- in, in the College of Economics. Most of them are not honor students. They deserve to hear. His non-honors class got blocked after co- objections from faculty, including anonymous complaints. No other right state faculty has, uh, have been told they can't teach class because other professors an, uh, anonymously objected, Osborne said. He has taught there since 1994 and has tenure. Osborne taught the class... Uh, and as an honors elective before before in 2014 to counter the dumb criticisms of capitalism he says students were exposed to. Quote, I first talk about Marxist economics, where it came from. I go country by country and talk about the disasters in, economic, in economics and crimes against humanity, Osborne said. Maybe it was a mistake to make uh, the celibus so honest. <laughs> Fundamentally, what I want is my academic freedom to be respected. Fox News' inquiries to Wright State University were not returned at the time of publication you know and this is just more the same really when it comes to uh you know left views left versus right views and how they are like uh, shunned you know i don't even think it's a right view to, to 
look at Marxism and say, hey, that's a failed thing. It's not good. Not good for, it's not good for an economy. It's not good for humanity. And so, I mean, and, and I think it just shows the loyalties of these people in these quote-unquote institutions of higher learning, you know, in these institutions of higher learning where people are supposed to learn the truth. But no, you're trying to push an objective, some Marxist objective. You want to turn America into Soviet Russia or something like that or China? You know why China sucks? Because it's full of mountains. <laughs> we got way better land over here in the West. I mean, it's, I guess it's just our immigrant privilege, I suppose. But I mean, it's, it's way nicer here than it is in China. That's why people in China are dicks. Because they live in a horrible place. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. If you're listening to China, I couldn't imagine there's some podcast listener in China listening to my show. If it is, send me an email, madmanfxpr.com. Please use English. <laughs> don't speak mandarin okay so um yeah let's go to this next story uh california hotel near disneyland is a site of a massive brawl involving involving adults and youths please say uh brawlers likely found out pretty fast wednesday when a massive oh this is horrible yeah brawlers broke out in a massive fight wednesday it broke out at a california hotel near disneyland as many as 100 people let their fists fly, resulting in at least two people hospitalized and two taken into custody, according to the authorities. Police responded just after 12.30 p.m. local time at the Cambria Hotel and Suites in Anaheim, where they immediately saw about 40 people fighting outside and another 50 to 60 battling inside. Authorities described the scene as pandemonium. Quote, it was men and women, adults and juveniles. Anaheim Police Sergeant Shane Karen. Carringer told the Atlanta, uh, Orange County Register, it sounds like people had broomsticks and whatever objects they could find in the hotel. Damn. Dozens of officers from multiple departments were called to the scene due to the size of the brawl, and the hotel was placed on lockdown while they determined if anyone needed further medical, medical assistance, reports said. The lockdown was cleared around 3 p.m. At, at least two victims were taken to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, while a man and a boy were arrested for fighting in a in public and obstructing a police officer, the paper reported. Carringer believed the melee was not confirmed to one group of people and that those involved were either patrons or guests of the hotel. Uh, police didn't immediately know what sparked the melee, except, except that it began in the pool area. Don't they? Any fight at a hotel starts in the pool area, doesn't it? Uh, quote, it looks like it just snowballed and developed and grew, Carringer said, according to the register. Raymond Brown, 11, told Los Angeles KTLA at TV the free-for-all began when he playfully pushed his cousin into the pool and the boy landed on some other children. It sparked threats of a fight from others who went quickly, and it quickly drew in adults. Oh, man. Quote, then they all went to the basketball court, and then we got in the hotel, and they just started, hold on, and they started throwing bottles and stuff at us, and we, then we started fighting. <laughs> Detectives plan on reviewing surveillance videos to gain a clearer picture of exactly what transpired, according to the paper. Carringer added the hotel was unfortunately not enforcing social distancing guidelines requested by the county. Well, when you're fighting, it's hard to social distance. Were they fighting with Madison? Uh, quote, we are getting, we're going to start working with all of our city and county uh, resources to make sure we can get compliance from the hotel, he told the station. Cambria Hotel and Suites is located near Disneyland at Disneyland's California Adventure. Both theme parks remain closed because of the coronavirus pandemic. The hotel 
resume full operations by Wednesday evening. Are we picking up thunder in the background? <laughs> Been thundering lately on the shows. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I think people are cooped up, man. They're going stir crazy. They're uh, they want they want Disneyland to open. I was just talking with Scott Wharton. I you know I'd like a fucking Applebee's to open. You know I want you know something. I mean it's other than home cooked food or like fast food. That's pretty much all all we all we're eating. You know I'd like to go sit down in a restaurant. Wouldn't you? It's like you know not that many people are getting are getting that sick out here. You know. If you're at risk, obviously don't go out to Applebee's. Applebee's, send me money. <laughs> Accidentally advertised it for you. You know, or, or even someplace better. I mean, when it comes to <laughs> Applebee's, if you send me money, I'll be more committed to you. Instead, I could say, you know, hey, I'd like to go try out that new Cheddar's that opened up on Route 3. I haven't been there yet. I've been to a Cheddar's before, but I mean, it's uh, we got one in Fredericksburg now. I want to check it out. You know what? I really want to go get an enchilada. I want to go get like uh, some Mexican food. I'm sure there's some Mexican places the open air dining you know i'm, I'm sick of, <laughs> i'm sick of this i'm sick of the quarantine and i think everyone else is, is too they're so they're so pissed off and dying for human contact that they're fighting each other in hotels they want they want the physical contact so badly they're throwing fists at each other people are angry they're cooped up they're going stir crazy you gotta open up this country you gotta you gotta if people are listening i doubt they are so let's go to this next story. Cities are going to extremes with coronavirus quarantine crackdowns, checkpoints, power shutoffs, and steep fines. This is basically an editorial, but I mean, it deserves to be noted. So with the daily number of coronavirus cases in the United States still hovering at about 50,000 and American deaths from the disease approaching 160,000, cities across the country are taking increasingly severe measures to force the curve of the outbreak downward including power shutoffs, fines, and more. And perhaps the most striking example of a city's coronavirus response, Los Angeles sent police to a large house party in the Beverly Crest neighborhood after complaints from neighbors about the number of people there. About, about the, the number of people there. The CBSLA sent a news chopper, the kind normally used to document high-speed car chases, to relay video of a party from above. Police cited, they <clears throat> cited and impounded some of the cars in the area, CBSLA reported but determined there was no noise violation and left. There was, a later, there was later a shooting at the party, which prompted even more scrutiny of the incident. In response, Los Angeles, Air, uh, Eric, bleh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti announced Wednesday that private residences that repeatedly host large gatherings will have their power and water, water shut off, according to Fox, Fox 11 Los Angeles. you believe this shit? Quote, these large house parties have uh, essentially become nightclubs in the hills, he said. These large parties are unsafe and can cost Angelinos their lives. That's a quote from Garcetti. Um, outside of private homes, Los Angeles is cracking down hard on businesses potentially in violation of the city's public health restrictions. A July 23 news release outlined in the city's actions, including shutting down 26 restaurants, a grocery store, a pool, and 67 other businesses for health order violations. Beginning at the end of August, uh, this is a quote, beginning at the end of August, fines will be issued to businesses that are noncompliant and that can range from $100 for the first offense to $500 and a $30, uh, I'm sorry, a 30-day permit suspension for multiple offenses. This includes businesses uh, licensed and permitted not by the department and those that are not, the city's public health department said. The Los Angeles, Los Angeles itself, uh, I read Lawson, I, th- I, th- I said the out loud. <laughs> 
Los Angeles, despite the uh, <clears throat> uh, efforts by one politician, according to the Los Angeles Times, does not have a fine system for individuals not wearing masks yet. But many other jurisdictions uh, in Southern California do, according to Fox 11 Los Angeles. In Beverly Hills, not wearing a mask will cost you $100 for the first offense, $200 for the second, and $500 for the third. Calabasas will also find those who are maskless in public. In Costa Mesa, Manhattan Beach, and Santa Monica, first offense is not wearing a mask is $100. $300 in West Hollywood, according to Fox 11. And the highest is in Glendale for $400 for a first offense, $1,000 for a second, and $2,000 for a third offense. Mass fines are gaining popularity outside of California as well. Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner on Monday announced that his city will slap $250 fines on people going massless in his city. Unbelievable. And the entire state of New Mexico is subject to a $100 fine for not wearing a mask. Something the New Mexico Supreme Court Supreme Court upheld just this week, according to KQRE, Washington, D.C., is doling out fines up to $1,000. But cities' coronavirus measuring going beyond that, many places, including Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York, and others, are now, ruling that, <clears throat> now have rules requiring people coming from coronavirus hotspots to self-quarantine for 14 days after their arrival. In Chicago, this is communicated by a ubiquitous variable message board uh, road signs above the highway warning travelers that if they're arriving from a place with elevated coronavirus counts, they are not welcome until they isolate for 14 days. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said the isolation uh, requirements includes 22 states plus Puerto Rico as of Wednesday. According to the Chicago Tribune, this is enforced with fines between $100 and $500 per day. New York is taking a more direct approach, setting up checkpoints as many, at many of the city's entry points using the sheriff's office to stop travelers. And if they are coming from one of the 30, 35 jurisdictions that are New York's mandatory quarantine list, that are in New, York, New York's mandatory quarantine list, having them fill out a traveler form. The, this is a quote. The, the checkpoints, I think, are going to send a very powerful message, message that this quarantine law is serious and important and crucial and people have to follow it. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio said. The information required by the form includes what states the traveler has been to recently and when, the address of where they are going, how long they plan to stay there, and how they are traveling to New York, birth, birth date, gender, name, and whether they are bringing their children with them. According to the New York Times, the checkpoints are almost certainly will not be set up at every inch of the city and not every traveler will be stopped. City Sheriff Joseph Fusito uh, told, the paper cars, uh, will, told the paper cars will be stopped randomly. Washington, D.C. and other multiple and multiple other jurisdictions have also instituted mandatory quarantines on travelers coming from certain coronavirus hotspots, with parts of the country apparently backsliding into, in containment uh, of the coronavirus. It's unclear when such orders and enforcement measures might be rescinded without the widespread administration yet to be developed vaccine. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the na nation's top epidemiologist, agreed on CNNBC Wednesday that the U.S. has the worst coronavirus outbreak in the world, saying the numbers don't lie. Officials, including Fauci, have stress, stressed that widespread mask wearing by Americans, along with social distancing and good hygiene, is the best way to open the economy while keeping people at least somewhat safe as the country waits for scientific developments that can help put the coronavirus, at least partially, in the rearview mirror. All right, so this is just, it, it's just kind of an amalgamation of everything these uh, usually Democrat um, uh, mayors and governors are doing. And, you know, when it comes to the police state that you and I both fear, you know, it's going to come from these Democrats because what they're talking about here when it's like moving into their city and so forth is very much like um, Soviet Russia when it comes to moving from area to area where you need to have papers, you need to fill out this questionnaire, you need to have a background check, you need to check you, you know, that's not how America should work. I'm sorry. 
you know, and when it comes to like uh, cutting off your water and power for assembly, for assembly, for a First Amendment right, having a party. I mean, that's what the First Amendment is basically about. We have the right to party. You know, that's what the Beastie Boys are talking about. You got to fight for your right to party. First Amendment. The right to assemble. That's what it is. Partying. You know, you can, it doesn't say assemble for any political reason. It doesn't just mean political protests. It's the right to assemble. Just have a party. You know, you're going to start, you're going to take people's water and power away. Arguably a human right. Arguably. What are you doing? You know, this police state that you're going to see is going to come from the left. They are the ones that want to turn this into communist Russia, into a Soviet state. All right. I want to tell you what to do, what you have to wear. You know, you know, the Nazis had pizza, pieces of flair they made that you use wear. <laughs> Sorry. You know, just an office space reference to get me through the day. Get me through the day. Okay. So we're getting up about 53 minutes into the show. That's good. That's good. So I'm filling the time. So let's go to this last story. You know, I like to keep the last story a little light, a little bit fun. So let me tell you about this great-grandmother who sues Disney World over a humiliating CBD oil arrest. <laughs> yeah, so a great-grandmother is reportedly suing Disney World after she was arrested for having CBD oil in her bag. Hester Burkhalter. Did you have that name when you were born? Can you believe anybody named a ba- Can you believe a baby named Hester Burkhalter? That sounds like a grandma name right out of the womb. Hester Burkhalter was visiting Disney World's Magic Kingdom in Orlando, Florida, with her two adopted children when she claims police officers were called on her after a security worker at the park discovered CBD oil in her bag during an inspection before entering the park. The incident took place in 2019 when Burkhalter was 69 years old. Uh, Burkhalter of North Carolina alleges in the lawsuit, which was filed on behalf of the civil rights attorney uh, Ben Crump against Crump against Disney, the Orlando Police Department and Orange County Sheriff's Department, that she was arrested and detained by officers for the oil, which was uh, for medicinal purposes and did not contain THC, Fox 35 reported. Burkhalter reported the oil was used to treat arthritis. I hear it's really good for arthritis, as a matter of fact. Anyway, the, uh, the woman goes on to detail the traumatizing event in her lawsuit, alleging uh, she was handcuffed in front of her 8- and 10-year-old children and taken to the jail where she claims she was forced to strip for a cavity search. Burkhalter, who has five ch- adult children in addition to two, the two adopted kids, also said she had a panic attack while in police cus- custody and vomited. Uh, it was the most humiliating day of my life, Burkhalter said on Wednesday, the outlet reported. Burkhalter was later released and, charge- released and the charges against her were dropped. Now the woman is suing more than $18 million in damages, citing assault and battery, false arrest and imprisonment, emotional distress, among other claims. Um, I don't know if it's worth $18 million, but I mean, I hope she gets some money for that. I mean, go get them, Granny. I mean, it's a legal substance. I mean, I really don't, I really don't understand why there's a, you know, even recreational marijuana isn't, isn't legal. It's far more, far safer for you than even alcohol. Alcohol is legal. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we should get rid of alcohol, but I mean, hey, marijuana is far more useful than alcohol. I mean, alcohol has its uses when it comes to like rubbing alcohol. Yeah, that's useful. <laughs> Just you shouldn't drink that. And so, um, yeah, I think there is, there's obviously medicinal uses um, for things like CBD oil, which is derived from hemp. 
you know, so I don't, th- you know, I don't think somebody, I mean, I understand that people go and get high and go get to go to Disney world. I, I get that. <laughs> I get that. But, um, I, I don't think people are getting high on CBD oil that they use for their arthritis. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, this has been another episode of shock monkey radio. Um, I would like to encourage you to check us out on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Look for Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook, a little group there. I post in there sometimes. Um, I also have the YouTube channel. Search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. You should be able to find my videos where I do clips from my show. Uh, and all 100% of all of our video content, 100% of all of it, is uh, behind our paywall over at patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Get access to all of our video content. Um, we'd appreciate it. I'm also up on Parlor. Look for Shock Monkey Radio on Parlor. Uh, if you want to move to a, like a, a free free speech sort of site, a social media site, I like it because I get to interact with Gavin McInnes. Because I mean, guy guy's been banned everywhere, you know, for being <laughs> kind of a dick. <laughs> anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>